welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series where I'll talk with sports editors from Georgia football's upcoming opponents. This week, Quinton Corpuel, sports editor for the Maneater, rejoins the show to review Missouri's season thus far and discuss the Tigers' upcoming matchup with Georgia. Welcome back to another episode of the in-season preview podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined once again by Quentin Corporal. Quentin, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, big day tomorrow. Big game tomorrow. It's uh, pretty inarguably Missouri's biggest game in uh, probably a decade. Um, I think the last game that was of this level of importance um, was probably Texas A&M in 2013, the game that ultimately ended up clinching the SEC East for the Tigers. Um and this game against Georgia, that could very easily be the case again if uh, Mizzou walks out of Sanford Stadium with a win just like they did 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just as you said, um, Missouri with an opportunity to actually clinch, um, and, and not even clinch in SEC East, but at least be in a, a, a position to win the whole thing. And Georgia's right there, too. This is fully a battle uh, between two of the top teams in the SEC East on who's going to walk away here with a, potentially a, a trip to Atlanta. Uh, in December, but for right now, uh, let's go ahead and just talk about uh, the the team you cover, the Missouri Tigers. So, you know, how has the season been so far for them? You know, what what have been some of the big games, the big moments for this team so far this year? Well, I don't think it's been a. I think a perfect season would be eight and zero, and Missouri's beaten everybody a hundred to nothing, and they look like a national championship contender. Um, you can't ever be perfect, but this season has been relatively close. Um, 7-1, their best start since, again, 2013. Um, it all started back in the Kansas State game when Harrison Mevis a walk-off, buzzer-beating, SEC record, 61-yard field goal. Um, first field storm I've ever witnessed in person. That was super cool. And um, just like last year, it kind of set the tone for the rest of the season, except this year was positive. Um, obviously, uh, big win over Kentucky a couple of weeks ago. Um, early on, that looked like a game that could snowball. Um, just like a bunch of games against Kentucky had in the past. Um, but thankfully, uh, uh, special teams coordinator Eric Link uh, called a heck of a fake punt, and honestly, that saved the game. And a few weeks from now, we could say that probably saved the season um, if things end up – if things still keep going well for Missouri. Um, and then they've, they've really taken care of business. Uh, their schedule hasn't been too difficult. Um, took care of the Vanderbilt and the construction – the accommodation construction site uh, football field – uh, took care of South Carolina on homecoming. Um, took care of Memphis and St. Louis. Um, and obviously took care of uh, their first couple of opponents in South Dakota and Middle Tennessee. But um, their one loss this year was to LSU. Um, but in all honesty, I think everyone was kind of okay with that. People weren't feeling too bad about that, especially because it proved that Mizzou could keep up in a shootout, especially against literally the highest scoring offense in the country, um, which – would not have been the case last year. Um, so this season's been great. Uh, both units have been firing all cylinders. Um, the defense took a little bit longer to get going, but these past seven quarters, they have played exceptional football. And obviously we're going to talk about the offense a lot in a little bit, but I've been blown away uh, comparatively to what they were last year. Yeah, I, I mean, purely from the expectations that we had coming into the season, it's been night and day from what this team has been able to do. It's been so impressive just purely from a statistical perspective, but also the fact that 
this Missouri team is 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 racking up wins, and especially the uh, um, I mean, almost it, it seems like when you hit an SEC record kick, it, it feels nearly like a miracle, especially when the field storms. But it was a fantastic just way of just setting themselves up in a position to win a game against Kansas State, uh, let alone nailing a 61-yard field goal. So ultimately, like this Missouri team has been fun. It's been exciting. There's some really fun highlight players on here to talk about. Um, and of course, the LSU loss is a little bit tough, but ultimately still putting 39 points up and, and, and just hanging with a top LSU team is something you can't just overlook or, or sneeze at. So this is a really good Missouri team, and it's led by Brady Cook, the quarterback there, who, you know, we had our expectations. I, I know you did, and he's blown them out of the water. So go ahead and talk me through how Brady Cook's season has been so far and how he has kind of subverted those expectations he had uh, coming into the year. It's truly been incredible. Um, and my whole thing with Brady Cook is that I've always been on the train. I never hopped off of it. I was always a believer, uh, which feels pretty good considering where he's at now uh, versus where people uh, thought he w- where uh, people thought he was uh, last season, I guess the first couple of games this season. Um, but it's, it's kind of crazy what happens when your throwing shoulder is intact and you have time to throw to receivers that are actually open and you also have a potent rushing attack to lean on to take the pressure off you as a passer. Um, he has looked worlds better this year, like a completely different player. He's confident. He's sure of himself. Um, like I, last year when he dropped back to pass, I would get a little worried that something bad was going to happen. That's basically gone away this season. Most of the time when he drops back to pass, I, it's not necessarily thing that I think something all really good is always going to happen, but it's more the fact that I think disaster is usually improbable. Um, he's taken really great care of the ball. Um, really limited mistakes. Um, I think you can see in the fact that, like, I think him making a mistake is surprising. Um, with really any great player, um, when they make a mistake, it's it's surprising. Um, and Brady Cook has become that this season. Um, he's ran the ball a little less than he has last year, but he's putting up pretty incredible passing numbers. And again, that's, I think, the development a lot of people wanted to see was him as a passer, um, him becoming truly, like, two-dimensional. Um, and that's really helped open up a lot of things. And I guess we're going back a few weeks before the Kansas State game, uh, the student section booed Brady Cook when his name was announced in the starting lineup. And I, I hadn't gotten to the game yet. I was actually stuck in traffic. Uh, thankfully, I got there in time. Um, but I had heard that happen, and it, it really upset me because his basically his career arc, it should be storybook. Um, he... He's a St. Louis native, um, went to Chaminade High School, which is like a 20-minute drive, I think, from outside of downtown. Um, all, he's want, ever, all he's ever wanted to be is the quarterback for the Missouri Tigers. That was his life goal from a very young age. There were pictures of him at Tiger Walk, which is basically where all the fans get to, like, watch the players uh, walk into the stadium and, like, high-five and whatnot. There's pictures of him in, like, an oversized Chase Daniel jersey. Um, he's been a well-documented Mizzou fan forever. Um and he's a wonderful human being, great guy. Everybody will tell you that. And honestly, last year, as I had mentioned previously, a lot of the reason why he wasn't playing that well didn't really have to do with him. It had to do a lot with his support system. Um, and when he got a better support system this year, he's looked incredible. 
Um, and also, like last year, he, he gutted through a torn labrum for most of the season. It came out after the season that he had been dealing with that since September. Um, and he, he gutted it out because he loves this university so much and he loves the team so much. And his teammates love him. His coaches love him. They're, they've been like this year, hey, we've been trying to tell all of you like this entire time that he's that guy. Um, and this year he is definitely proving it. And he's, he's inspiring a lot of kids. Um, he's making a lot of people proud. And um, I'm very thankful to get to cover him. And honestly, the entire Mizzou fan base should be thankful that uh, Brady Cook stuck it out and has gutted through injury and put his body on the line week after week for this university. Yeah, it, it, Brady Cook, I feel like, kept just not, not a guy that everyone knew about. Not everyone that was focused on just because of, you know, everything going on with the Missouri program and, you know, just the fact that, you know, I mean, he was dealing with injury. He was getting sacked consistently he couldn't really get the ball out and then even when he could it wasn't even always the best decision but yet this season he's just taken his uh, he's just taken a step to a whole nother level and I can't help but be impressed I mean when you're putting up the third most passing yards in the SEC um, at nearly 2,300 70 percent completion 15 touchdowns only three picks that's a great stat line like just purely, you know, I mean, there's no other way to really describe it. And, you know, we come into this year being like Will Rogers and, um, you know, KJ Jefferson and these guys that we're super familiar with. And, and yet we're seeing guys like Brady Cook absolutely ball out and have a great season. And it's even sweeter the fact of the, just his connection with the Missouri program. And I'm, I'm sure it's, it's even sweeter to cover a guy like that. Oh, he's like, I'll, I'll say, and he's, he's great. Um, he is a perfect like person you want to have representing your university and as a leader of your most popular sport. Um, so hopefully we get another two uh, full healthy year, uh, years of him. Um, we're going to get a, hopefully another year of him, knock on, ah, where's Wood? Oh, that's, that's Wood. We'll pretend that's Wood. Of uh, him and Luther Burden, um, which has definitely been a blessing for all involved. Um, I'm sure you probably want to talk about the offense a little bit more, but they've just been so fun to watch. Oh, you better believe it. And Luther Burden is the perfect transition because the sophomore wide receiver has been fantastic. But there's also guys like Corey Schrader out there as well who have been awesome. So go ahead and walk me through who are some of the other key pieces on this offense that have really allowed Brady Cook to kind of flex his muscles a little bit and relax. I mean, like, low-key everybody. Like, everybody has played a positive part in helping Brady Cook uh, become a better quarterback. I guess I'll start with the rushing attack. Uh, Cody Schrader has been awesome. Uh, you want to talk about an amazing human being, Cody Schrader is another amazing human being. Um, and he's easy to root for because it's it's the classic underdog story. Uh, played three years at uh, lower division Truman State here in Missouri. Uh, transferred up to the SEC before last season. Uh, supplant, supplanted Nathaniel Pete as the RB1. And now I believe still leads the SEC in rushing yards. Um, or if he's not, he's somewhere near the top. I believe I believe he's towards the top. Um, uh, eight hundred rushing yards, which is crazy. Yeah, he. Uh, I will always stand running backs that just constantly run forward. Um, not that I dislike East West running backs, um, like Lashawn McCoy, for example. But I always love a guy that'll just constantly fall forward, get an extra yard or two. That's how Cody Schrader runs. You know how like Isaiah Pacheco runs like he's angry at the ground and will never, like, his lateral movements are very, like, few and far in between, 
but he's, he has it's like if Brian Dawkins' brain was like inside of a running back, if that makes sense. Um, Cody Schrader has a similar style of running. He um, big fan of trucking ahead, but also at the same time, he is. Um, I made this comparison in a in a column I wrote a couple of weeks ago. He's not a powerful runner in that he's just consistently running forward like uh, Mike Gaustaf, for example, the old Buccaneers fullback. Um, he is a powerful runner in that not only can he do that, he can manipulate a defense with his mind. Um, he's not like Le'Veon Bell, where he's like exuding immense patience behind the line of scrimmage and then making a decision after like a whole second, which feels like five seconds. But he has talked to us after the game being like, yeah, um, I saw like this offensive backer, this linebacker. I wanted to make them go here. So the offensive line could go here, and then I could go there. There's nuance. Like, it's very clear that he's, de A, developed nuance, and B, like, the game has slowed down for him. Um, last year, it looked like the game was a little fast, um, but obviously with time, um, the game's going to get a little slower, and that's definitely happened this season. There have been a handful of runs where Schrader just runs up a wide-open gap, touchdown. And it's not just him hitting a hole super hard. It's him figuring out where defenders are in relation to where his offensive linemen are supposed to go. And he's super intelligent in just, like, knowing where that is. Um, and also, as a receiver, I think he's kind of underrated. So that's been great. Um, receivers, Luther Burden, uh, obviously the star of the show. Um, I think, honestly, the most impactful offseason move was moving Luther Burden to the slot. Um, last year, he took, I believe, 13% of his snaps on the out, uh, in the slot. This year, that's skyrocketed to 85%. Uh, that number has changed since, I think, a few weeks ago, um, but it's still somewhere around that number. Um, and I understand why Burden was placed on the outside. That's where your best receiver usually goes. Um, but at the same time, you have to tailor to your player's strengths, which is what I personally loved about the addition of Kirby Moore, the new offense coordinator here at Mizzou. He said at his opening press conference, I, I don't want to bring in a system that I have to, like, log jam guys into. Um, there's not, like, one system fits all. I want to tailor it to the personnel that I'm given. And Luther Burden is a prime example of that. Um, he's, it turns out he's a wizard with the ball in his hands and space to work with. So where do you put that guy in the slot? And you also move him around the formation and get him the ball quickly instead of letting him try and, like, dunk on a defensive back deep down the field a la, uh, I don't know, Mike Williams or something. Um, it, it, he's so fun. Like, with the ball in his hands, like, it's watching a great ball handler go to work. It's like, oh, what is he going to do now? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, he has space to work with. Is he going to go sideways so you can go backwards forwards usually whatever he chooses ends up being a positive gain um but he he's so fun with the ball in his hands i think come the 2025 draft which is the first year he's eligible and i would expect him to declare um i think you're going to see a lot of debo samuel comparisons um just because of the the positional versatility the fact that they're really great with the ball in their hands they're super physical i, I honestly think luther burton's shiftier um he can make defenders miss, miss in a phone booth. Um, that's part of what makes him so enjoyable to watch. Um, so he's been another blessing. And then I'll mention two more receivers, um, Mookie Cooper and Theo Weiss. Um, Theo Weiss has been uh, basically everything that I think Mizzou fans wanted out of him and more. Um, when they got him in the transfer portal from Oklahoma, um, I think the expectation for a lot of people was for him to be the premier red zone threat, the guy that can dunk on a defensive back one-on-one, -on -one, basically um, 
It was it's like a, a lob threat in basketball. Just throw it anywhere like in the vicinity of the hoop, and it'll probably be two points. Um, that's happened a handful of times this season. It's something Mizzou didn't really have last season. Obviously, Towski Dove, um, he was uh, a bigger body, but Theo Weiss is a legit like jump ball winner, red zone threat, super physical, um, high points the ball, like everything you want in a guy that it's just okay. Uh, I think we can just throw it up in the general area of this guy, and he could probably come down with it. Um, so Theo Weiss has been exactly that. And then Mookie Cooper, consistent, super consistent. Um, quick, shifty. Um, they've put him, uh, they moved him outside this year, which I think has been for the better because he was in the slot and he was used primarily as like a burner. Um, he's more, he's more than that. Uh, there's more to his game than just running fast and running very far down the field. Um, very good route runner. Um, his veteranship shows, um, it's just all these guys make each other's lives easier pretty much. Um, they're all force multipliers. And then finally the offensive line has taken so many steps forward since last season. Uh, Brady Cook has been very well protected. Um, there, is open, there are open running lanes. Uh, Armand Membu is a guy in the draft that's probably going to make Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Um, Javon Foster, uh, super consistent left tackle. Um, it's just every, It feels like everybody's taking a step forward. Um, I'm going to shut up now because I realize I've been talking for like five minutes. But um, I guess that's how I feel about Mizzou's offense. They deserve, uh, they deserve all this coverage and attention uh, because they have not only been so fun to watch, it's been night and day from last year. Um, and thankfully with the, my NFL team of choice and New York Giants being the opposite of fun uh, to watch on offense, uh, this is very, very refreshing. So, Yeah, I'm definitely with you on the, the New York Giants uh, sadness there. As a, as a fellow fan, uh, it's not been the most fun team to watch. But thankfully we got college football to keep us distracted. But again, you, you touched on Mookie Cooper there and Theo Weiss Jr., both those guys, I think, are still instrumental to this team. I know they're they're they've got about you know thirty or forty less catches than Luther, but they're still super key to have a guy like Theo that you can throw the ball up to and you can trust to come down with it as a potential red zone threat, and then Mookie Cooper to just be a solid player out there, someone that you that you can feel confident throwing the football to. Both of those guys are super key to this offense, um, and you know allow the burden to get possibly even more touches because you can't just ignore these guys. They're, they're not guys that you can just kind of, you know, leave alone and go from there. Um, you, you have to still cover these guys, and that still allows Luther to try and just go one-on-one with a defender, and that's incredible stuff. And you point to Debo. I also see a lot of Jamar Chase in his game and the fact that you can put him in the slot, you can put him uh, out back in the backfield, you line him out wide, you know, but he's so dynamic after the catch. And, you know, the Bengals have finally kind of realized this, with Jamar, but you get it to him short, and he makes he makes guys miss. He makes people miss in space, and he's able to pretty much control an entire offense just like Luther Burden does with his Missouri team. And there's no other word other than to say that he's been a fantastic wide receiver in just his second year, and a guy that I'm super excited to continue to look at, especially come draft season next year. But then also to go, to go back to Cody Schrader, who I think I might have called Corey Schrader on accident uh, earlier, but Either way, Cody Schrader's been fantastic. Um, the fact that he had a, a pretty solid season last year but has taken a step up, uh, I went and checked, and he's second in rushing uh, in the SEC behind Ray Davis, which, you know, Ray Davis is a, one of the best running backs in college football, so Cody, for Cody to be right behind him is definitely no slouch. They even both have, they both have nine rushing touchdowns on the year each. So 
this is an incredibly balanced Missouri offense from my perspective. And it just seems like for this entire year, especially after that Kansas State game where, you know, Brady finally started getting going and, and, and Cody was allowed to really kind of flex in the offense and Luther started getting all the national buzz. All of this kind of came together and has built up a really great Missouri offense that has been fun to watch for a reason. Yeah, they're, I, I love that they're balanced. Um, those kinds of offenses usually succeed at a high level. Uh, it's something they weren't last season. Um, so to see basically, again, the passing and, and the rushing attack helping each other out in terms of making it har- harder for a defense to defend them, um, it's it's been really – it's helped them out a lot, especially with like something like staying ahead of the sticks. Uh, that was a huge problem for them last season. Uh, it would basically make their offense one-dimensional. Uh, as if it wasn't one-dimensional already. It was kind of zero-dimensional because nothing was really working anyway. Um, but when you have as dangerous of a passing attack as Mizzou has, and when you have as strong of a rushing attack as Mizzou has, um, that allows them to call kind of whatever. Um, that allows Kirby Moore to, to cook even more. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that can translate into Athens on Saturday against the big bad Bulldogs um, that are very scary to a lot of teams. But uh, in all honesty, Missouri... One thing I've really come to love about them is that they don't seem to be scared of anything or anybody. And you all saw that last year when they almost took down Georgia and Columbia and uh, almost made it one of the greatest nights in Columbia, Missouri's history. But, oh well. Yeah. And, hey, you know what? Maybe it'll be a a great night in Columbia again on Saturday or uh, maybe just Athens will be celebrating themselves. Who's to say it's too early? Uh, we're still a day out from that, but we've talked a lot about the offense so far, and you and you said yourself that the defense, you know, started a little slow, kind of like, um, kind of like uh, the re- the rest of the team did, but has really come on as of late. Walk me through the defense, you know, who are some of the key players on this unit, and you know, just overall, how have they been so far this year? Yeah, honestly, like their only like pretty poor performance was against LSU. Um, and even the 49 points is misleading because seven of them came from a pick six. So technically, they only gave up 42. Um, but just like the offense, like all three levels of the defense are contributing to success. Um, the defensive line, you got a handful of defensive tackles that just eat up space on the interior. Jaden Jarnigan, Rios George Jr., uh, Christian Williams are part of that group. And then on the outside, that was one of the biggest question marks heading into this season with the departures of Isaiah McGuire to the NFL. Uh, and Trajan Jeffcoat to Arkansas, and Arden, Arden Walker to graduation. Um, Darius Robinson, who played on the interior um, his entire Mizzou career, um, kicked outside, and people were, I think, interested to see how that would go, and he's been awesome, like so great. And even it, even better, amazing human being, like just a wonderful guy, gives back to the community, um, talks a lot about his faith, um, he showed up to, uh, we have a thing here called Tiger Talk, where uh, Mike Kelly, the voice of uh, Mizzou football and basketball, he's been the voice of Mizzou football and basketball for years. Uh, he basically hosts a thing at this barbecue place downtown where anybody can come. And it's basically a radio show with Coach Drinkwitz, an assistant coach, and a player. Darius Robinson was there a few weeks ago, and he pulled up in a Bud's barbecue t-shirt. Like, like come on. Um, he, he's just a wonderful guy, and he's handled the transition to defensive end, which is not easy at all. Uh, he's handled it very well, um, and he had a monster game. He's had a monster past couple of games against Kentucky and South Carolina, so he's definitely somebody to watch. 
Uh, the second level, uh, Tyron Hopper hasn't been as productive as he was last season, um, but the things that I think will make him a pretty solid NFL draft prospect have still been there. Um, I, I don't want to, like, just throw out the name Fred Warner, but, like, there are a few plays he makes, just the sideline-to-sideline side range, the fearlessness that he plays with, the instincts. Reminds me a little bit of him. Not, like, the full player, but, like, a little bit. Um, and then in the wake of Chad Bailey's absence, uh, he's basically the other part of the dynamic linebacking duo. Um, there have been a handful of guys that have stepped up in his place, uh, namely Tristan Newson uh, and Chuck Hicks. They've been really great uh, subbing in for Bailey. And then the secondary, um, Ennis Rakestraw and Chris Abrams-Drain will both probably be playing on Sundays. Um, and then the, on the last level, uh, level of defense, Jalen Carlisle and uh, Joseph Charleston, uh, albeit a few a few coverage slip-ups here and there, um, have been really great at fortifying the back end. Um, and Dalen Carnell, uh, I'm not sure what his role in the NFL is going to be. Um, he's kind of an everything man. Um, he plays the star position, which is a hybrid safety linebacker, and I get kind of nervous sometimes with hybrid safety linebackers um, in terms of like how they'll fit um, in a certain scheme at the pro level. But he's honestly one of my favorite players to watch. Um, if there's anybody that's the closest thing to Brian Dawkins on defense, it's, it's him. Uh, he's fearless, instinctive, always seems to be around the ball, makes plays when it matters the most. Um, so it's a very complete defense. Uh, Blake Baker's blitz-happy scheme is, uh, it, again, it took some time, and the blitzes weren't getting as home as often as they were last season to start. Um, but they've been getting home a lot lately, even with four. Um, and I understand that uh, Carson Beck hasn't been sacked that much this season. I believe he's only been sacked six times. Um, but... All of those six sacks, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, all came on blitzes. So that'll definitely be something to look out for, um, uh, where Blake Baker uh, ends up being on the, the blitz-happy spectrum. Uh, if he's Wink Martindale, uh, as long as it works, I think everyone will be cool. Uh, if he dials it back a bit, um, I wouldn't be surprised as well, uh, especially if Mizzou can force Georgia into third and long, which they haven't really been in a lot this season. Um, and also, uh, we'll get to Brock Bowers in a bit, but they don't have that security blanket anymore. Uh, even though a handful of receivers have done a really nice job of stepping in, uh, that threat is no longer there. And I understand won't be there for at least a couple more weeks. So uh, they're going to be really important uh, to victory. Uh, that's not breaking news. I feel like Booger McFarlane when I say that. Um, but at the same time, um, thankfully for the defense, they won't have to shoulder as much of the load, probably, uh, as they did last year. Um, because the offense kept stalling out. Um, so that'll definitely be a good thing, I think. Yeah, and again, to, to tie it back to Darius Robinson, for a guy that's in you know his last season as a, as a graduate to move to defensive end and still find a way to succeed, you know, they say you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks, but yet he's clearly subverted that old saying um, and has been a fantastic defensive end for you guys and a guy that, you know, you have, to, you have to start looking at for possible NFL consideration, considering that he's been playing well on that defensive unit. But Chris Abrams' drain, easily by far, has been the most impressive player, at least to me. You know, the fact that he still has 35 tackles while playing corner, 10 pass deflections, 4 interceptions. He's been an incredible player for this defense and a guy that absolutely is going to get a lot of big-time buzz. And he's been great. There, there, there's no sugarcoating it. He's, he's been a great player. Um, and, you know, I think I think that's absolutely someone that's going to give uh, whatever Georgia receiver he's facing uh, per play uh, some fits, and he, he's, he's rated highly for a reason. His instincts are crazy. 
like there was a play against Kentucky where I think it was an out route to the right side, and Abrams Dream was at least a handful of yards off off of him. Devin Leary throws it not across his body, but tries to hit the receiver on the right side. I can't remember who it was on Kentucky. But Abrams Drain, who was like well behind the ball, it, it honestly looked like he teleported. And he dove and it looked like he picked off the ball. The ball hit the ground. It was ruled incomplete. But we were all looking at each other in the, in the press box like, how, how? How how did Chris Abrams Drain just get to the ball in a time from where he was when the ball was thrown to when the ball was about to hit the receiver? Um, it was kind of ridiculous, but that's something you can't really teach, which I really like about his game. And again, he's just like Dalen Carnell, always seems to be around the ball. Um, he had one coverage bust against LSU that got Malik Neighbors wide open, but like that's one out of hundreds of reps he's taken this year. Um, and that was just like a very simple. Everybody was playing. Uh, everybody was playing man. Excuse, wait, one one what? Everybody else was doing one thing. Abrams Dream was doing the opposite thing. Malik Neighbors was left wide open. Um, but that was that was kind of it, to be completely honest. Um, so he's been great. Um, and hopefully he'll uh, knock on wood, stay healthy for the rest of the season because uh, defensive uh, defense has taken some in, uh, injury injury hits. Definitely, uh, the Memphis game in St. Louis was uh, kind of a killer. Uh, how much that had to do with the turf in the dome, don't know. Um, but at the same time. Um, Abrams Drain has uh, been very consistent, so very thankful to have him. Yeah, he's been a great player, and that's someone that yeah you, you can't hate having on your football team, especially at the number one corner spot. Um, he's, he's just a good player. He's a really good player. Um, but we've talked about so many different players that that have been so great for this Missouri team. So even though it might be hard to narrow down to just one, from maybe not even just a, a watching an analyst perspective, but even just being on the beat and covering these guys, talking to these guys. Who's probably your favorite player that you've gotten to cover, talk to, and watch this season? I guess Brady Cook. That's a really boring and easy answer, but like it, it's been so nice to watch him develop uh, as a quarterback and as a leader for this football team. Uh, the amount of times I've been watching a game and I've been like, wow, that was a freaking laser right on point that was an awesome throw or like he had a couple against Vanderbilt um that were fades into the end zone to both to Luther Burden per- perfectly placed like perfectly placed um there were a few throws early on against LSU and Mizzou jumped out to a huge lead I was like that that's an NFL throw like I don't know if Brady Cook is an NFL player but he's made some NFL level throws like a lot of NFL level throws um obviously again great person inspiration to a lot uh, of young kids from the St. Louis area who also wanted a quarterback for the Missouri Tigers. Um, he's given, he's been someone that uh, kids have been able to look up to, which is obviously uh, great. So probably Brady Cook. Yeah, and, you know, the one that we didn't talk about is I know there was a lot of outcry for Sam Horn, especially during that, that, that blue uh, session of, you know, before that Kansas State game. But yet, you, yet he's held his own. He's kept that job secure. And at this point, if you're calling for Sam Horn, I don't know what you're watching because Brady Cook has been awesome, and he's been a really great player. And I know that might get your blood boiling, so we won't hop on that for too, too long. Um, but Brady Cook's been great. Um, and you know what? I could, I'm not sure necessarily what his NFL stock is or uh, you know where he's truly at uh, on that level, 
but if he's anything like his hero of Chase Daniel back in the day, he could carve himself out as a pretty solid backup role for, for years to come. But, um, you know, that's that's all on Brady. We've talked enough about Brady. Uh, we've said so many great things about him, which is deserved. He's been pretty great. Um, but let's hop over to, you know, someone that's maybe fallen below your expectations. Someone that, you know, despite nearly everybody on the team blowing expectations out of the water, who did who kind of has fallen below what you were expecting for them coming into the year? I guess Harrison Mevis, uh, the kicker. Um, he, uh, it, it's weird because a handful of his misses have be, have been because of bad snaps and bad holds or and or block kicks, um, aka things that weren't totally his fault. Um, but at the same time, he's missed kicks that y- you would like him to make, especially for a guy that a has shown that he can make kicks accurately and from very far away. Um, but in the same breath, he made the biggest kick in recent memory for Mizzou. Um, if he doesn't make that kick, uh, honestly, if that kick is short, it was Philip Brooks, known Mizzou killer, under the goalpost waiting to return it. And before the kick, I was like, oh, of course, that's how this is going to end, probably. Um, but, um, I mean, that that kick, like the, the fake punt against Kentucky, that saved the season. It helps set the tone for the rest of the season that Mizzou's legit. This is a game uh, they've lost so that they had lost so many times in the past, um, including in twenty twenty two when they got shellacked in Manhattan, and Harrison Mevis saved them pretty much. Um, so he got that going for him. But really, that's like it. Everybody else, I'd just be nitpicking. Really, um, I mean, you'd like to have a little bit more reliability from your kicker, um, but. He's shown that he can hit from very far away, and Mizzou still has the trust in him if they get inside of. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to give him his flowers for the 61-yarder. There's nothing else you can do but that because that won them a football game, and it it just goes to show you how kicking can win you a football game, but it also can lose you a football game. Um, You know, he's only only made about 68% of his kicks so far this season, he's missed every single kick from the, the 40 to 49 range, you know, and that's just, those are the type of ones that like, yeah, sure, you're hitting three, you're hitting 350 plus yarders, but, you know, sometimes you got to make sure that you're hitting those 40 to 49s, you know, you got to make sure that you're getting your extra points because he has um, not converted one at some point this season. And, you know, it, part of it falls on the special teams unit to make sure that, you know, they're setting themselves up where they're not going to get blocked and stuff like that. But ultimately, in a game like, what could happen this weekend kicking could be the most instrumental and important part of it considering you know how good these two teams can be in the red zones defensively so if Harrison Mevis isn't on it against Georgia that's going to be a tough thing for Missouri to have to work around yeah especially if the game is close um Mm -hmm. obviously the Auburn game last year in a close game you wanted him to make a kick um so yeah uh every every point's gonna matter um and obviously, you'd rather have a touchdown than a field goal. But uh, should Missouri settle for field goals, uh, Mevis has got to be on point. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely going to be very important that um, he's, he's focused in and locked in because you can't you can't give away any points to anybody. Um, you you got to be locked in. Oh, that's as simple as that. But let's lock in to this weekend's matchup. It's a big matchup between two of the top teams fighting for the top spot in the SEC East. So let's hear it. What is your current opinion on the Georgia Bulldogs as a football team? What do you think of this upcoming matchup, and how do you 
these two teams match up in your opinion? Um, well, I don't think they are as scary as they have been over the past two seasons. I think that is a very fair thing to say. Uh, but at the same time, that's like if that's like saying if all college football teams were at sea level, uh, Georgia's descent has been like from the stratosphere to the mountaintops. Like they are still amongst college football's elite. They are still a legitimate national title contender um, with a ton of talented players. Um, I would say Brock Bowers being out is a huge deal. But at the same time, I mentioned before, a, a handful of guys that have stepped up in the wake of his absence, uh, notably Ladd McConkey, notably former Missouri Tiger Dominic Lovett, um, even his backup Oscar Delp, uh, even though he fumbled last meet, made a cool one-handed catch. Like, that's his backup. That is Brock Bowers' backup. Um, so Georgia's still got a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Then defensively, they're still very good. Um, a ton of talent. Uh, guys are, again, not as many. Uh, going to be playing on Sunday is a couple of years past, um, but at the same time, they're very dangerous, and Missouri's offense is going to have to bring, honestly, probably their A-plus game if they want to have any chance of winning. Um, that being said, again, Mizzou's afraid of nothing. They're afraid of no one. Uh, it showed last year when they almost beat Georgia. Um, obviously, the environment's going to be different in Sanford Stadium than it was in Furrow Field, um, but at the same time, uh, Mizzou is a far different team than they were last year. So I, I would feel fairly confident. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting, and, and you're right. I mean, it's tough when you're going from one of, if not the best, defense in college football history to just a great defense. Like, even though they're, they're one of the best defenses in college football, it's it, you're really comparing just apples to oranges at that point, even though they're both fruit. Um, like, it's... It, it, it's there's nowhere to go but down when you're literally at the, the top. But still, I think this Georgia team's really good, and they're going to continue to be really good. Um, but, of course, they've had their own issues, slow starts. You know, um, they're, they're still missing Brock Bowers, who has willed them to win football games in the past, you know. Um, and I know Ladd did it this past weekend, and Dejon Edwards, the running back, has done it a couple times before. But, you know, it's still something you have to keep in mind. So, in your opinion... What do you think Missouri needs to do, or what what do they need to attack to get a win in Sanford Stadium this weekend? Uh, I think there are three main things. Uh, one is to make Carson Beck and Georgia's offense very uncomfortable. Um, that means creating havoc, um, hopefully forcing turnovers, um, pressuring him in the pocket. Um, I'm not calling. I'm not going to call him a system quarterback by any means. He's been very good uh, in his own right. Uh, but at the same time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Mike Bobo's offense is very quarterback-friendly. Uh, they don't take a ton of risks. Um, there isn't a lot of deep passing, uh, a lot of short and intermediate throws, a lot of slants and crossers, uh, and like intermediate post routes. Uh, just stuff that gets the quarterback in a rhythm and builds confidence, which is great. Um, but at the same time, if Missouri is able to basically throw Georgia off schedule with blitzes, that'll be huge. Um, and that involves getting them into third and longs, for example. Um, that was something they did really well last year against Georgia. I think Georgia coming into the Missouri game had only faced six third and longs in their first four games combined. Uh, they exceeded that total in the Missouri game alone. Um, so I think just throwing Georgia's offense off schedule, uh, not allowing them to get in any sort of rhythm, because I think Georgia's offense has been prided a lot. They've prided themselves a lot on rhythm um, and not anything like, like Tennessee's offense last year I know is an outlier in terms of like how to do offense. But it's 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 not that at all. Uh, Georgia is 
Um, and then offensively for Mizzou, uh, staying ahead of the sticks, not getting into third and long, just like Georgia probably doesn't want to get into third and long. Uh, you don't want to make Georgia's do- job defensively any easier. Um, and then finishing drives, uh, especially in the red zone. Um, that's actually one of the areas that Georgia's not so great in. It's funny because they don't really allow teams to get to the red zone very often. Um, but when teams have gotten to the red zone, they, you've, you've found success pretty frequently. Um, and Mizzou has been statistically the best red zone offense in the country. Um, now, at the same time, that includes field goals. Mizzou settled for a lot of field goals uh, in the red zone. Um, and in a game that will likely be closer uh, to a competitive one than a complete blowout, uh, those extra four points are going to be huge. Those extra four points decided the game last year. Um, so finishing drives is going to be crucial. Um, I will say in the red zone, watch out for the fake reverse. Florida pulled it off last week. Mizzou has ran it twice this year. Kirby Moore ran it a couple of times, at least last year with Fresno State. And it's worked, to my knowledge, every time he's run it. So when Mizzou's in the red zone, if they're close to the goal line, it gets to a money down, look out for the fake reverse. Because um, Georgia got fooled on it last week. Missouri's been fooling on it. They fooled Kansas State uh, a handful of weeks ago, and they fooled Kentucky on it uh, a few weeks ago, too. So look out for that when Mizzou gets in the red zone. Yeah, no, I, I think it's very interesting. And that's a great point because, yeah, no, it, that play has gotten Georgia a couple times um, so far this year, similar to just a pure quarterback run, uh, which, you know, I know Brady Cook's been sacked a few times, but he still averaged, he still had 134 yards rushing. So I think that's another key for this team is if they can get Brady Cook moving a little bit and, you know, not just throwing the football, but also running. Uh, I think that's going to be massive for this team for potential wins. But, yeah, I think all great breakdowns um, for what this Mizzou team needs to do. And if they can provide pressure on Beck, it's a very good old line. Uh, Cedric Van Panner has been an awesome center for this team. He hasn't allowed a single sack, only about five pressures so far this year. Um, and there's a chance that George's group is getting healthier uh, and possibly getting uh, – potential first-round pick of Mary's Mims back for this game, um, but we'll have to see. Either way, you know, there, there's definitely some keys, and, and there's definitely a path to Missouri winning this football game, but let's hop into it. Let's do a score prediction. What's the score between this t- these two teams? What's uh, Who wins, who loses, and, you know, depending on what happens in this game, what's kind of the outcome for these two teams' uh, seasons? You know, what's what's the... You know, the next few lo- weeks looking like for these teams. Well, whoever wins is going to have an inside track to Atlanta. Uh, the season won't be over. Um, that's my slight fear if Mizzou does win. Obviously, it'll be great. Um, at the same time, the intoxication of victory is very strong, and that makes people say and do uh, some uh, – basically puts them ahead of their skis um, and makes them think that the season is over when it is, in fact, not over. There are so many examples throughout college football history when team wins a big game, puts themselves in position for a potential national championship or a huge bowl appearance, and then loses a game they shouldn't. Um, so, nevertheless, uh, whoever wins uh, controls their own destiny uh, towards an SEC's title. That being said, uh, I think Georgia is the better team. Um, I've got Georgia 35, Missouri 27. Um, I think it's going to be competitive just like last year. Again, Missouri is far better than they were last year. Uh, I think they will put up a valiant fight. I think Georgia's just better. Um and I wish I had deeper analysis than that. Um, and if I end up on uh, those weekly mini-movies that Mizzou's social media posts, uh, so be it. That means Mizzou will win, and I will be happy. Um, but I think Georgia's better. Um, I think they're 
they're not, again, not as scary as they have been in the past couple of seasons, but they are still very scary. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mizzou won. So I just hope for a competitive game. I hope that the late fourth quarter matters. Um, so here's to a competitive game, man. I'm, uh, I'm really excited nonetheless. And I uh, hope uh, Sanford Stadium, Stadium is rocking. And, uh, hey, if it's quiet at the end, good for me. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I personally got 42-27. I think Georgia maybe gets one more on the board, but I think we're both in agreement that Missouri's going to score, and they're going to score a lot. Um, This is still a really good football team that's going to give Georgia, I think, its biggest test. I think both of these teams are probably facing their biggest test of the season, Um, just period. Um, You know, I believe both the teams still have to play Tennessee, so I know that's still on the horizon, but still... I think we're going to look back at this game and be like, these were two of the best teams in the SEC East for a reason. Um, and I'm expecting a good game to come out of it. Um, but yeah, either way, you know, whoever wins, yeah, they're, they're on their way to Atlanta in all likelihood. Um, you know, Missouri's got to win out. Georgia would have to win one more. But either way, these two teams are in contention for Atlanta for a reason. And I think we're going to see that on Saturday. But Quentin, um, thank you so much, dude, for joining me. Um, if you want to go ahead and, uh, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your stuff and we'll go and close this one out. Yeah. Uh, I'm versatile. Like, uh, Luther burden. I'm the, I'm the Luther burden of the journal. No, no, I'm not, I'm not at all. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, you can find me, uh, on the main year.com. Uh, I'm still writing stuff for them. That is the student newspaper or I guess the publication. We got rid of our newspaper last year. Uh, the student news publication of the university of Missouri. Um, you can catch me on kcou.fm. I write columns for their, their website, uh, ranging from a wide variety of topics, um, and I also co-host a radio show um, on Fridays at 2 o'clock p.m. Central called The Blitz. It is a hybrid college football and NFL show, uh, and then I also contribute to Rock M Nation, which is Mizzou's SB Nation affiliate, so all three of those places uh, you can find a byline or uh, my voice, so yeah, Owen, I appreciate you having me on. This was a, a ton of fun, and um, yeah. <laughs> I just hope. Yeah, I just hope. Yeah, I just hope both teams have fun and they make friends and that everyone has a great time. Um, either way, I think I'm expecting a competitive matchup and it would be great to see. But Quentin, once again, thank you so much. Of course, for you uh, have a yourself pleasure. a great weekend, Owen. You too, man.